Hey, um, so a lot of uh, prayer and uh, going into this time together with you guys. And uh, so one thing here in the Lord, uh, there's a burden that I think the Lord wants to give today. We'll see how this comes across. I'm reading today out of the, um, I'll be reading from multiple passages today, but first out of Joel chapter 2. And uh, let's see where this thing goes. Joel 2 says this. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Let me just stop there for one second. Uh, we're in the middle of a fast as a church. Uh, we're, we're in day 14, uh, 15 today of a 21-day fast. And so, actually, uh, if you're new to this concept, uh, we're starting a fast today uh, for seven days. And anyone can join us. Uh, there's no right way, right way to fast or wrong way to fast, really. Uh, probably the wrong way to fast is any way that... Um, you do that glorifies yourself um, or uh, tries to make you feel like God's going to love you more because you're doing something for him. He's, he's not. It's not the way it works. Uh, Jesus did everything uh, that needed to be done for God to have a relationship with you. Um, and so, uh, but we fast because we're hungry for him and uh, we want to align our motives. And that's really what that first verse says. I want you to turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. What I, I love about that is that concept of weeping. Uh, that's a whole other part of Christianity that Western civilization doesn't get. It's, it's loving God long enough for him to affect your emotions. Think about that. Think about loving someone and having a relationship with them that when they're burdened or broken or hurting, it affects you. That's relationship. It's like when you talk to someone and, and you're like, yeah, I know them, but then they begin to tell you about how um, their girlfriend or wife broke up with them. And how much they miss them and how much they love them. And how much they want them back. There's really nothing you can do in that moment but sit with them and have empathy. Feel their emotions. And Jesus is saying, I want you to turn to me with all of your heart. With fasting, with weeping, with mourning. There's a real scenario where like we put emotion back into the relationship with God. Where it's not a... I checked the friend request box and accepted Jesus as my savior. And every day I get a social update status on the word of the Lord for the day. Like I actually know what's going, how he feels. And that affects me. I know how he feels about me. I know how he feels about my country. I know how he feels about my church. I know how he feels about my family. I know how he feels about what's going. I want you to turn to me with all of your heart. Man, I got to tell you, church. I've been serving the Lord for 20 years. This is not an easy thing to do. On the surface, this verse can be just read and forgotten. But I'm telling you, there is something that we need to do as a Western church. Like the way community church, God is prophetically speaking, turn to me. We just heard a prophecy in our very own church. Turn to me. Turn to me. Turn to me. I love that old song, that old hymn, turn your eyes to Jesus. I mean, it's like there's a difference between unknowing and doing. And I want you to rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and, 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 uh, and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. 
who knows if you will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind, a grain offering or a drink offering from the Lord. Me and my wife were talking this week about the 87th time this last two weeks that we wanted to quit our fast. And a lot of the times I felt like I wanted to keep doing it because I wanted God, I wanted a blessing from Him. And uh, yesterday the Lord reminded that I'm not doing this for a blessing. I'm doing this for Him. I'm doing this only because I want, my, I want to love God the way he loves me. And I want to be one with him. And so I want to disconnect from everything else I love, leaving myself only onto him. Does this make sense? And the reason why, and most, uh, I don't brag about fasting, but I really felt like this fast specifically, that it was my job to kind of show you guys my heart and my fast and what it looks like when you go under the table. You know, like when you're on the table and God's doing open heart surgery in people's lives. There's nothing I want more than him. And many of you, that's your same desire, but you're not giving the Lord that ability to be one with him. Does that make sense? There's really, we're not going to get much further if we're not getting this. Blow a trumpet in Zion, and I want you to consecrate a fast. I want, I want you to, to call a sacred assembly and gather all the people. Sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, let the children and the nursing babes, let the bridegroom come out of her chamber. We went fa um, uh, um, uh, camping this weekend, and I was like, all right, so if we're going camping, surely Lord won't mind if I time out the fast, right? Like, it's, it's, it's camping, hot dogs, s'mores, come on. And they're just hot dogs. Like, it's made of what? You know, but it's glorious. <laughs> and I, I realized that, like, when he's like, no, I want the bridegroom to come out of her chamber. He's like, I'm not, I don't care what holiday is happening. I want you more than you want that. And I want that. And that's the problem in my life is I want so many things, church. I want so many things more than I forget that God wants me, more than God wants you. To be single-minded and wholehearted towards the Lord, I'll fight my whole, my whole soul for. This is how we do it, by sacrificing things we love for things we love more. Does this make sense? And he says, let the bride out of her dressing room, let the priest minister, who minister before the Lord weep uh, between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not give your heritage as a reproach. Uh, which, uh, so, uh, I just love how he says, spare your people. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about that as my heart's breaking. And, uh, and, I, and really what's been happening during this fast is I've been seeking the Lord as I've been getting close to him. And I've been saying, God, I want to know you. I know about you. I know things that you do, but I want to know you. And as I've been doing that, God has been putting, leaving burdens on me where it's almost like I'm having a conversation. I'm not necessarily having a conversation. I think I'm having a conversation. I am hearing from God, and God's hearing from me. But realistically, I just know something he feels, and I'm feeling it. And I'm feeling spare your people, Lord. And I'm feeling the burden that God has for his church, for people, and the fear that God has of recognizing that he is not going to control mankind's heart. And that's a terrible thing to love someone that doesn't love you back. Can you imagine God's heart just breaking because he loves his people and they think that they have a better idea than him? Oh, the kindness of God. 
Why doesn't he just smite us? Or me? Why doesn't he just smite me? Okay, well, so I'm talking today about a couple things, and I'm going to try to go fast for the sake of this, because that intro is already longer than it's supposed to be. I feel like God wants to take us somewhere, so I'm going to go fast through the sermon as much as I can. Is that okay? What, is, what do I believe my purpose is? What do I believe my purpose is? What do you believe your purpose is? And, and how are you doing with that? Why has God placed you here? When I think about that, we're doing a series right now called Becoming Like Jesus. And, uh, you know, the first week we talked about how we're not, we're, not, um, trying to act, we're not trying to pray a little bit more this year. We're not trying to read the Bible a little bit more this year. That's not the call of Jesus. Jesus said, just come and die. Right? Like, don't add me to your life. Give your life to me. And we'll work prayer out. Right? Last week we talked about the value of the Word of God and how important it is. These are things that are becoming like Jesus. And, and today I want to talk about purpose. Like, what do I do with my life? And uh, today I'm going to lean into that. What, what, so as I'm becoming like Jesus, I want to first just look at Scripture and say, what, what was Jesus' purpose? There's many reasons why Jesus said he came, and I just highlighted two of them that I thought was special about him. Really quick. The first one, uh, I believe that Jesus came, one, to, to do the Father's will. This is what the scripture says. I think it's fascinating. Listen to this. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Who is this guy, Jesus? So fascinating. They polled and surveyed the world. Who was the greatest man that ever walked the earth? And even atheists believed it was Jesus. And he was just fascinating in everything that he did. But listen to this. There's no one that signs up that says, I want my whole life to be whatever this guy wants it to be. And that's why Jesus was so glorious, because he had the ability to be selfless. Think of how awesome you would be if nothing about you was for you. It was for all of us. You would make such an impact in this world. Yet we get so self-consumed. And Jesus' sole purpose, not my words, his words, was to do the will of him who sent me. Guys, this is fascinating. And I think about that as like the potter. If I was holding up a hammer today, what is the purpose of a hammer? It's to hammer things. It's not a screwdriver. It doesn't, it doesn't do that. That's not its goal. It wasn't made to be a screwdriver. Well, what is your purpose? What were you made for? And so when I think about it, like you can make a hammer. I guess you could use it as a screwdriver in certain circumstances. You know, if you got super lucky. Uh, but like it's not designed to do that. And vice versa, if you found a screwdriver, some of women here and men have made that screwdriver into a hammer, right? But it's not designed to do that. And so he's looking like, yeah, guilty. Uh, uh, but like, listen, like, what, what were you designed to do and how are you doing it? Jesus said that my purpose was to do his will. I don't think the apple was designed to fall far from the tree in this situation. You were made and designed to do the will of him who sent you. When you get outside of that plan, chaos is going to happen on this earth. Yeah. And in your marriage. Yeah. And in your home. And in your finances. And God's plan is much greater than yours. Go ahead, keep going. Uh, I'm going to skip Hebrews. Uh, and the second thing Jesus said that he came to do with purpose, he, he said that I came to seek and save sinners. I love it. 
and I'm seeking the Lord while he may be found, and I'm, 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 I'm weeping, and I'm allowing his heart to, to, to press on me. Jesus, what is your will? What do you want to do? I want to do the will of him who sent me, and I want to seek and save sinners. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. I thought about that this week. I was actually driving, and I made the statement, Jesus, I just said it on accident when I was praying this week, Jesus saved the world. I thought about that. Like, like we give men that come back from war like, like the Medal of Honor if they like help four or five or six people. I am so proud of the day I reach heaven, and I get to fall on my knees and crown the one that saved us all. What a glorious Savior. He came to save us. He came to save me. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 15, he says, This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. I love where Paul identifies the, value, the reality that he still is a jacked up human being. Uh, I think the worst kind of Christianity are the ones that feel like we used to be bad and now we've arrived somehow. And I feel like you haven't, maybe it's been a while since you've actually connected with the Lord. But every time I connect with the Lord, I realize that he is holy and I'm so far away from where I need to be. Uh, I'm not where I used to be and I'm grateful for that. Man, I am a saint. He has made me holy. I don't understand that because I feel so wretched inside myself. I've got this pride that I can't get rid of. Anyone else? This old man that won't die. Trying to return to the Lord. I'm thinking about what Jesus' mission was and what would it be like for me to be like Jesus. All right, so I'm taking those two thoughts here to do his Father's will and to seek and save sinners. A couple of things. I, what's, what's the Father's will for me in my life? Let me try to simplify where we are in life today, in our country and on the earth. I think that there's a great fear of what should happen on the earth or in America right now. And I think if we were to pull the room uh, and pull everyone online, everyone knows the only thing that we need to do to change our country is this. This guy or this vote or anything. And I'm trying to think, what's, what's the Lord's will for you right now? And I, I, I narrowed it down to this. Um, one, it's to return to him. I don't, I don't think at all, really, we need to worry about what's going on outside this room. I think we got to figure out how to worry about what's going on in here. And get real honest about it. And uh, I, I, I really believe that God is speaking right now. Check this out. This is uh, Jeremiah... I don't know. I, I did not know this verse. Uh, I, I knew it somewhere in the back of my head, but the Lord gave it to me this morning and said, look this up. And this is fresh off the press this morning. Wasn't planning on saying it. Jeremiah 24-7. It says this. And then I will give them a heart to know me. I love that. To know me. To know me. Not know about me. There are so many Christians that we know stuff about God. I don't want to know about him. I don't want to know about my wife. Amen. I want to know her. Amen. I don't want to know about uh, elephants. I want to touch an elephant. Amen. You know what I mean? 
Like, I want to feel what it feels like. like. I don't want to know about Jesus. I want to touch. I want to know him. I want to know his smell. I want to know the power of his word. I want it like a lion. I want to, I want to be there when a lion roars. Amen. I want to be there when God speaks. Lion of Judah. I want to know him. Amen. A lion is my favorite animal. I, it's one day before I die, I will touch a lion's mane. I feel like that is just... Mufasa, say it again. You know, like, woo! It's awesome, man. I want to I know him. I, I, therefore, I will give them a heart to know me. Church, if you're just interested in attending, you're not going to get this. There's some people that are good enough with just being friends with Jesus. And I don't think you understand. He's the guy who put the stars in the sky. I want to know that dude. Yeah. 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 I am the Lord, yes. and he shall be my people, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and they shall return to me with their whole heart. What the heck is wrong with us that Netflix is more interesting than Jesus? Amen. Our heart is moved. You have to understand that in America, we are up against a fight. Social media and television, and there is stuff coming at you that you don't realize. The enemy is coming at you so much harder than you realize. And we say, God, I love you. No, we love cable. We love food. We love uh, the praise of man. We like Jesus. Come on, bro. I'm telling you, this is, I found it in my heart. I'm one of the most passionate people I know about Jesus. And if I'm finding this in me, I don't want to lie. I want to know his presence, y'all. Amen. I want to be found in the power of God. Yes. And so I'm praying this week, Jesus, you got to, you got to come here right now. Like, like I don't want to sit like the, the, nowhere else. I don't need, right here. It leads me to my second. I first, I want to return to him with all my heart. Yes. I want to know him. Second thing, I want to become like him. Yes. Amen. I don't know where I found these points. They just came to me. So they're not necessarily the word of the Lord, but this is what's coming out of my heart right now as I'm empty. I want to become like him. There's a scripture here in Acts chapter 1. And uh, I don't know if you know, but this is the reason why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. Because you can't be like him. He can be like him. And his spirit inside of you makes you different. Now, I was reminded on something that I forgot by people who go here. Church, I pray in tongues every day. Sometimes I pray in tongues 10, 10 minutes. So I make it a goal to pray an hour a day in tongues. Seldomly hit that. There's a verse here, and it says, Being assembled together with him, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Hold on. But to wait for the promise of the Father. He's about to talk about the Holy Spirit here. But I want you to understand, the disciples, I'm a disciple, you're a disciple. Say, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. They already received the Holy Spirit. Jesus already breathed on them. They were already doing miracle signs and wonders. They were already casting out devils. They already received the Holy Spirit. But he said, I want you to wait for the promise 
of the Father, which you have heard from me. Now, this is important. Now, in verse 5, he says this, uh, But John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. He's saying, I'm going to... I'm going to fill you up. I'm going to overflow you. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Like, you're going to be filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit. If you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I promise. I'm telling you, 1 Corinthians says, like, if the, the Spirit of God is all. You can't call Jesus Lord without the Holy Spirit. He already lives in you. But He wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And this is a promise you're going to have to wait for. Now, this is difficult for some folks. Especially Americans, because we don't wait for nothing, Jack. Hot pocket. We are waiting for a hot pocket. Come on. i got to wait a minute and a half to eat something that was frozen a second ago? This is difficult for us. And then we have to wait for it to cool down now. This is too much. But now, if you have to wait on God, it feels like this isn't fair. He's God and you're man. Amen. You should park your butt there for a while and then just ask yourself, how much do you really want this? Come on. If it's, if it's worth waiting for, you'll wait for it. Mm -hmm. It's a promise that I promise you, God thinks is good for you to have. Now, the problem with the body of Christ is there are many of you gray hair folks and some of you younger kids here that you were baptized 800 years ago. And you think that that's good enough for today. But yesterday's anointing is never good enough for today. Paul said, I die daily. The reality is, I need the Spirit of God to live in me today. So as I'm returning to the Lord with all my heart, I'm saying, God, I need you to show up right now. I need you to fill me right now. If you're alive, I need you to call me right now. I because if I'm in a relationship with someone, we want to have a living and breathing relationship. Amen. It's not one that has to be always just based on faith. Like God, he's going he's gonna to touch you. Yes. He's going to speak to you. Amen. He's going to move around you. Now it's still faith. Absolutely. But you should know the power of God. Yes. And then the disciples said, I think this is funny because this is where we're at right now as a church. This is where we're at as a country. And therefore, they had come together and they asked him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you'll restore uh, the kingdom of the United States of America? Oh, you ain't saying that? You lying? You lying through your, your teeth? There's so many people that are freaked out right now because they think that America's dying. Good. I hope your America dies. It's only then that the, that, that, that the church will rise up. Jesus said that I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And if there's the only, if, see the problem is we're, we're relying on the government to fix the church. We're relying on the government to fix our finances. We're relying on the government to fix our peace and our security. We weren't designed, I'm sorry, I tried to talk to the Lord out of letting me say this today. The government is not supposed to make you feel secure. This is a problem. And I'm glad that you're scared. I hope everything falls apart because it's then that we have a chance to hit our knees. Billy Graham said it this way, that it's, yes. what did he say? I forgot what he said. He said, <laughs> he said, if America wants to get back up on its feet again, it first has to get back down on their knees. Yes. Yes. And this is, 
The problem is that we think that like the government has to be good for us to be great. And when we're great, everything will take like it's the it's the problem is that we have a cancer in here that we don't want to deal with. We want this to be beautiful and happy and shiny and our bank account great, but we're decaying on the inside. Come on. And it's when you get news from the doctor that says you're dying is now we'll go on a fast. Now we'll cleanse our hearts. Now we'll go to the gym. Oh, you've got high cholesterol. You're going you're, you're to die if you don't start exercising. Now we'll fix it. I'm fantastic. You got a bad report. The report isn't what's going on out there. It's not what's going on on the flag. The problem is the church. We're the problem. We're dying. We love television more than we love Jesus. And as long as this is happening, then the heart of our country is already dead. Your problem is right here. It's my fault. Problem is right here. Because you're the church. It's me and you. It's not a building. It's not an organization. It's not an offering. It's real preaching. Is it at this time that you're going to restore America? And he said, it's not for you to know the times that the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now he's talking about a power in you that's going to be more important than the power he's supposed to give Israel. Do you understand the solution? He's saying that the power is going to fall on you, not on the nation. This is good stuff. You shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit has to come upon you if you're going to become like Jesus to a dying world. That's the second thing. I think the first thing is we've got to return to him. The second thing is we've got to become like him. And the third thing is that we've got to reach his children. I, um, well, that's what Jesus' mission was. Why wouldn't it be the churches? I think we're trying to fix America, and you don't understand how it works. You'll never fix your kids unless you fix your marriage. You'll never fix your marriage if you don't fix your heart. Some of you are single and you're praying for a spouse. Please don't get married if you're still jacked up. I'd tell you how it's going to work. So Jesus um, has this heart, and there's this passage in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, and he, he tells several stories uh, of a burden that he has. And I'm, I'm get, trying to draw close to the Lord. I'm asking God, I want to know you. And he's like, all right, well, if you want to know me, know this. Know I love you, and know I, I love them. Je you know the guy that you hate on Facebook or the coworker that gets under your skin? You know that guy? Let's be honest, Christians. I like him just as much as I like you. The problem is, he's lost. So Jesus begins to tell scenarios of things that, of people that are frantic. You know, like um, when you lose one of your sheep. Uh, you ever lose your car keys? Or your cell phone? You know that feeling that goes into like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I think that we need to have that back. Or when you lost some money, 
You found out that um, someone credited your account some thousands of dollars. Your identification has been stolen. Well, we're on the phone now, Jack. The Lord's saying that this is ha- like it's, let me tell you, you want to know God? He is terrified that his, his bank account got, got stolen. His, and, he, and he tells the story about lost, 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 and he breaks it down to the lost son. And he says like, hey, look, there's someone that I care about that's lost. Nothing else matters. I remember a time we lost uh, my daughter. <laughs> She's sitting behind the camera right now. Nothing was more important in my life. I'd given everything I have to get her back. Uh, we, as a community, uh, we, we really believe in your opinion for our kids. We need to parent these kids together. Everything you have to understand is our mission now is we're, we're not letting anyone perish. We want to make it really hard to go to hell in Lakeland. You know what I mean? So the heart of God is for the lost. Uh, there's a passage I want to read to you really quick. And it's found, so that was Luke 15, three stories about the lost. Three stories about the lost. Three stories about the lost. I'm going to read it this way. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared uh, uh, very well every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Now, if you've never heard me talk on this story before, what you have to understand is this is a parable. Jesus is making a story up. The problem is, he's not making a story up. He's God. And he's the only one at this point that's ever walked the earth that knows what the other side of eternity is looks like. And what he's trying to do after he just got done telling story after story after story about the lost is he's trying to tell another story that's super important because it's the biggest frustration and concern of our father. Desiring to feed with crumbs that fell from the rich man's table, moreover, dogs came and licked the sores, and so it became that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man died and was also buried, and and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father, Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip his, uh, his finger of water to cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your life you will receive uh, good things, uh, and likewise Lazarus evil things. Uh, but now he is being comforted, and you are being tormented. And besides, all of this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, and those um, who want to pass from here to there cannot, nor can those pass from there to us. And then he said, I beg you, therefore, to go back to my father, and that you would send to him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You have to understand what's happening on the side of eternity is they're begging for an opportunity to come back here. Problem, it's really crazy and it's baffling to me, the body of Christ. We, um, do you believe in eternity? I don't know why it doesn't like ring a bell to us. I don't know why, like, eternity doesn't matter to us. I don't know why we live in this moment so much. Think about how many upgrades we're trying to do to our lifestyle right now. And Jesus said none of those things are going to matter on the other side of eternity. And it's like we're building our kingdom trying to build God's kingdom. Building our kingdom trying to build God's kingdom. And if we want to know him, it's, it's going to be really simple. 
My, my friend Dustin said it this way a long time ago. Uh, even my biggest enemies, when they're good to my kids, I love them. When people love my kids, you want to get in my grace? You don't have to do anything for me. Do something great for my kids. Make them smile. Make them laugh. I love you. I think you're a great person. So it is with anyone. When your kids are lost, you'll do anything for anybody to reach your kids. This guy's on the other side of eternity, and he's saying, I'd give anything for someone to go back and reach my family. This isn't the heart of that man. It's actually the heart of Jesus. Jesus would give anything for some of us to recognize that some of the people that he loves just as much as you are dying and going to hell. And you know what we're really concerned with right now? It's the state of America. We're worried that our country's dying. You know what God's concerned with? Someone named Sarah. She went out drinking last night. She's abandoning her calling. And she started a sexual relationship with someone she doesn't know. And it's about to turn her life completely sideways. You know what God's concerned with? Some guy named Steve. Antonio. Marcos. Can you hear the heart of God? The world is dying. I don't know why we don't care. know why we can go on in life Just hold on a second Rachel you know this goldfish may die but it doesn't have a soul I think one of the biggest problems is in the church is that we believe in eternity but it doesn't affect our life at all. Then do you really believe in eternity? This goldfish doesn't have a soul. Your neighbor has a soul. Your coworker has a soul. It's going to face eternal consequences. And I think that what I'm realizing that's wrong with the church is we're concerned with America. Soul of America is us. I'm not worried about whether a goldfish lives or dies, but God, give me a heart for the people that are abandoning their faith right now. God, break my heart for what breaks your heart. God, Jay, I want to know you. I want to know the burden that you have for the loss. If eternity is real, then I care. Teach me to love like you. Who in your life doesn't know Jesus? If they die, they'll spend eternity apart from God. I'm not talking about 10 minutes. Like if you saw my kid about to hit walk into traffic, surely you'd stop him. What about the people that are going into eternity? We've got to wake up, church. Some of us are getting upset that not the right worship songs are being sung. I don't care about what we do in church. I care about what we do when we're not in church. Man, we got to go be the church. 
What is your purpose in life? Some of us are really freaked out about this goldfish. I want you to know I Googled it. Goldfish can live hours outside of water. It's the weirdest thing in the world. He's going to do just fine. I'm grateful that you love your family. But if you loved God, you'd understand your family is bigger than yours. I need you to love my family. I need you to love her family. I damn sure need to make sure that you love people's family that don't go to our church. I need you to care about your cash register and your waitress and the guy at the gas station and the people you come in contact with. We need to care. We need to return to the Lord. What's your purpose? 